You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our content, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. There's going to be a lot of your questions on the show today, a lot to get to, not just about the coaching hiring process and the candidates, but about some stuff around the league and how it might impact Green Bay. And before we get to that, I just, there's a, just a scheduling note here. So initially I said, we're going to go to three times a week in the off season. And I'm going to amend that a little bit because as, as some of you have pointed out, uh, and I, and I, I am very appreciative of the the tweets that I got and the and the messages that I got saying that it was it was weird that you know a lot of a lot of you went on Tuesday or Thursday to your podcast app of choice and there was no locked on Packers for you to listen to and I, you know I I understand I did get a DM from someone who said I don't like the three day format please go back to every day. <laughs> Which is, um, you know, I, I I take that as a as a sign of of your enjoyment of the podcast. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, that that's easier for you to say. <laughs> I'll just I'll just put it that way. Uh, but I I think we are gonna stick to four days a week, uh, at least in the near term, as we go through this process here with the Packers and their coaching hire. Um, there's a lot that I want to get to, and, and there's a lot that we're going to have to discuss once the Packers make a decision on a head coach. They're going to have to fire and find coordinators, and there are going to be other coaches within the division who are going to be changing teams. The Vikings have an offensive coordinator they need to hire. If Vic Fangio gets a head coaching job, the Bears are going to have to make some decisions about their coordinators, and so there's really, for the next month, going to be a lot going on in Packer Nation. And then in February, it's the Combine, and there's a lot going on there. March starts, and now there's free agency. And then April is the draft. You go right into rookie camps, and then there is a little bit of a lull in in June and into July. But so when necessary, and I think we're going to stay four shows a week, with some weeks that are going to be a little bit different. I'm going to try and bring you some interviews in the offseason um, to break up a little bit of the monotony of what I think we'll be discussing offseason storylines, stuff like that. I, I, you know, My goal is to bring you guys opportunity. Last year we had Greg Jennings um, come on the podcast. My hope is to, is to get some more players to come on, uh, your favorite media people. If there's someone you want to hear from, whether it's a player, whether it's someone in the media, a former player, just let me know. 
And I, I can't promise that I can that I will get them, but I will promise that I will effort them if I think it is important for you to hear from them. So that's just a housekeeping thing. Um, expect a show Monday through Thursday in in the foreseeable future. There's just there's too much going on. We're just gonna have to keep doing it. So I, I hope you have not reached Packer saturation point because there is a ton to get to today. A lot of your questions I want to get to as well. But let's get the the important stuff out of the way up front, and that starts with the Packers head coaching search. Pat Fitzgerald has made it clear, not just in his postgame comments, but through representatives now, that he is not going to be an NFL coach in the near future. So he, despite the fact that the Packers have said that they wanted to make a pitch, he's made it pretty clear he is not interested in the Packers job or any job. So that is one less candidate for Green Bay to have on the table. This weekend, starting today, and it may have already happened, Josh McDaniels, Brian Flores today. On Saturday, it's Pete Carmichael and Dan Campbell in New Orleans, and then Matt LaFleur on Sunday. And I think we can we can take a look at the candidates that have already been part of the interview process. You look at Caldwell, you look at Philbin, you look at Pagano. And then the guys that are being a part of this weekend process, I would be surprised if the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers did not come from that list. And frankly, I would be even more surprised if the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers did not come from the coach they're interviewing today in New England. Josh McDaniels is now positioned as the clear front runner to be the next coach of the Green Bay Packers. And and why is that? Okay, well, let's start with the the big decision he made to turn down the Bengals interview request. That is his right. He, he A team can request to speak to a coach, and a coach can give him the stiff arm and say, not interested, sorry, but maybe I'm not sorry, and probably not in the case of the Bengals and, and that organization and what they've been for the last 10, 15 years. So... Based on teams that have submitted formal requests to speak to Josh McDaniels, it's Green Bay in terms of the guys that he's actually going to talk to because the Bengals were the only other team, based on the reporting that I've seen anyway, that that have requested Josh McDaniels. And and there were some questions on Twitter. Why is that? Is it because he's still seen as toxic? And I think what you have to do is go back to the beginning of this process with Mike McCarthy being fired and those initial reports. Coaches around the league were already looking at if Josh McDaniels gets that job, could they come join his staff in Green Bay? I think there is a feeling, um, and and I know there is a feeling around Green Bay that McDaniels is clearly the preferred choice. This is going to be as much a job interview for McDaniels in Green Bay on his end to determine, is he going to leave New England for this opportunity? Because he has cleared the decks here. It is Green Bay or he is back to New England. And so he has to understand and determine, is this an opportunity that is appealing to me? And is it more appealing than what I could have, let's say, in the next year or three in New England, should Bill Belichick or Tom Brady or both be on the streets, retire you know, some Machiavellian thing happened, Belichick, you know, uh, architects, the ouster of Brady, who knows what is capable of happening in New England. But 
he what what McDaniel's will have to decide is if he has been promised the Patriots head coaching job whenever it becomes available, it's clear he's not totally interested in waiting. And the the reporting has been that he is only going to take interviews for the right opportunity. Well, he clearly views the Packers as a right opportunity, if not the right opportunity. So I don't think you know I don't think we have to we have to say well he could, he could just do what he did in Indianapolis again. No, the circumstances have changed, and he is the highest paid coordinator in football. And and maybe he was promised this thing, and so he knows that going into this interview. But you have to at least explore it if you're him. Now there is also this story out there, and in, and I say story not report because. There is no direct sourcing to either McDaniels or the Browns, but it is in a an actual news publication in Scranton, and based on the based on I almost said report it's not a report based on what is in the story, the author of this piece suggests without evidence, without reporting, and without sourcing that McDaniels is interested in the Browns job. The Browns are interested in McDaniels and that they've been back-channeling to allow the Browns to convey that interest to Josh McDaniels. Here's the thing. There is no reason that that should be true, because if the Browns wanted McDaniels, then the reality is they could have requested an interview with McDaniels. They already submitted a request for Brian Flores, the linebackers coach that the Packers are interviewing today. There's no reason to leak that information if you're the Browns. There's no reason to leak that information if you're, let's say, the Packers and you know about this happening. The only person or party in all of this who benefits from that information being out there is McDaniels. And so my hunch with all of this, and after I I had a little tweet storm about it last night and I got a DM from a, a reporter who would know these things, who basically said McDaniels is not a candidate in Cleveland. And so didn't basically said that, quite literally said that. And so whenever you hear these, these reports, and again, not quite a report, something someone said unattributed to anyone in particular. But anytime you hear stuff like this, you have to try and decipher who benefits from this information being out there because ultimately the reporter has to be given that information from someone. And so I'm not I'm not suggesting anyone is fabricating anything here. What I'm suggesting is what makes sense is that the McDaniels camp, McDaniels being from Ohio, is the one who realized the decks are now cleared, it's Green Bay or bust, and if McDaniels is interested in this interview and interested in this job, then he doesn't have a lot of leverage outside of saying, I'll just go back to New England. If he wants the price to really ramp up, what he wants is for Green Bay to believe that the Browns are legitimately interested in McDaniels. The problem is all of the evidence that's out there suggests that's not the case. Not to mention in that Colts fiasco last year, Josh McDaniels agent, Bob Lamont, cut ties with McDaniels after he decided to go back to New England. Well, John Dorsey's agent is Bob Lamont. And John Dorsey is close friends with Chris Ballard, whose agent is Bob Lamont. And 
it, it just is very hard for me to believe, given all of that, and given what I was told by a reporter, that McDaniels would be a legitimate candidate in Cleveland. As of right now, he's not. And so what this feels like is just a little bit of savvy media maneuvering and and maybe not even that savvy because it wasn't a huge report. It was a Scranton newspaper. So the, the umbrella on this is not huge. That's why a lot of this doesn't really add up to me. But if if that is what's happening, or at least that's what's being said from someone, I, I believe this this um, the author of this piece was told this by someone, but my guess would be that that person, their motives for saying that is to maintain the leverage that McDaniels is trying to keep here now that it appears it's Packers or bust. And before we get to your questions on other topics, I wanted to get to this one. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Since Brian Flores is the de facto defensive coordinator in New England, if the Packers decide to hire Josh McDaniels, could he bring on Flores as defensive coordinator without any restrictions? If so, it seems like a win-win for everyone. Packers get two guys from the New England staff. McDaniels brings in a guy he knows, also contingent on if they get along, of course. And Flores gets an opportunity for a more formal audition for a future head coaching opportunity. What are your thoughts? Love the podcast. Keep up the outstanding work, Zach in Green Bay. So the, the short answer is yes, that could happen. And the long answer is no, that couldn't happen. Um, the difference being in all practical matters, Brian Flores is the defensive coordinator, not by title. So because he is a linebackers coach, and even if he were a defensive coordinator, the Patriots could block him from leaving for what is essentially a lateral move. You can't block a coach from interviewing for a head coaching position. But the Patriots could block Flores from interviewing for a defensive coordinator position or being hired from one. So while it is the case that technically Flores could be hired by McDaniels as a defensive coordinator, not a lateral move, and it would be a technical promotion it's just not going to happen, and there's going to have to be a discussion about who this defensive coordinator is going to be. His defensive coordinator in Denver was Mike Nolan, a former head coach, and his defensive coordinator of choice in Indianapolis was Matt Aberfluss, who is was a relative unknown, except in, in NFL circles, and he turned out to be a really good coach. So I, I think the coordination of this staff is going to be a little bit of a wild card. We'll see. I wouldn't expect Brian Flores to leave New England because they're going to have success again next year. He's going to have an opportunity to audition for head coaching jobs next year. There's no guarantee that's the case in Green Bay. So why not just stay in New England aside from the fact that the Patriots can outright block him from leaving the team? He's under contract. All right, let's get to your questions. Hey, Peter, Corey from Minnesota. Can we expect all the coaching positions to be locked until a new head coach is hired? In particular, I thought Ron Zook would fall victim to Black Monday. I get having the new head coach build their coaching staff, but some of the coaching changes needed are a no-brainer. Yes, basically. And it's weird, and it doesn't make any sense, but essentially any coach who is currently under contract, um, who has not been fired outright, 
is technically still on the staff until a new coach comes in. And then we'll either replace or keep those guys. We, we talked about with Jason Hershorn a couple weeks ago that James Campen could be uh, a, a likely coach to remain on the staff. Mike Patton, as we just mentioned, could be a guy that, that stays on the staff. But don't worry, Ron Zook is not going to be the special teams coordinator for the Packers. Uh, I think the, the reality is Joe Philbin, the interim head coach, does not really have the gravitas to hire and fire anyone. So after the after the season, it doesn't make sense to say, hey, Ron Zook, you're fired too, because technically the head coach's job is to hire and fire the position coaches, assistant coaches, et cetera. So it's just one of those weird situations. Uh, this was a note that, that had no name on it, but I'm going to read it anyway because I can cop to it. KC Offensive Coordinator, be enemy, not be anemi, not be anemi. Love the podcast. Be enemy. I'm going to get it right. I got it right for one podcast and then regressed. I, I didn't say the thing that I had. I had been calling him be anemi, which is wrong. It's be enemy. But then on the last podcast, it was be anemi, which actually feels the most right to me for some reason, but it's be enemy. And I'm going to get it right. And and if you were a legitimate candidate in Green Bay, I would I would definitely get it right. Uh, and I probably would have already gotten it right because I would have said it a lot more. Uh, but I didn't. So I'm going to get it right from now on that you have my, my solemn vow. All right, next. Hey, Peter, this is Trevor from Ripon, Wisconsin. I'm reading through Ben Fennell's film piece on The Athletic, and I love his piece on Alex Light. Do you think Light could be a fit next season at a, at a guard spot, or do you think he needs some more time to develop into a preferred starter, or do you think he is just not good enough to be a starting lineman in the NFL? And the short answer is the same as the long answer. I don't know. We just haven't seen enough. And, you know, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? I don't know. We just haven't seen enough of him play. Um, if you're if you're not reading the work that Ben Fennell does, you should be doing that. And I thought he he did a great job highlighting some of the stuff that Alex Light did. I did take notice of him coming into the game and said, okay, let's see what he does. Let's see how he plays. And the good thing about offensive linemen, so if you want to know if an offensive lineman is doing well and, and you can't force yourself to not watch the ball, and, you know, there are there are times when I watch the ball. There are times when I'm watching coverage. There are times I'm watching receiver routes. Uh, I vary it from play to play based on the situation, based on the matchups. Most people are going to watch the ball. So that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that inherently. Uh, I watch the games differently than you because I have to. If you don't hear a lineman's name called over the course of a broadcast, that's a good thing. And we didn't hear his name called. He didn't get destroyed. He didn't get decimated. He didn't get beat. And he didn't he didn't miss, you know, big blocks in the run game. Those are things that get called out by your your analysts. Now when the analyst is Pat McAfee, maybe not, because all he wants to do is talk about punting and make jokes, which was great, by the way. I, I loved it. I thought it was I thought he was hysterical. I think it in a in a booth with a more seasoned number two, Robert Smith, that that's not his normal role. I think that could that could grow into something really interesting, and I think Robert Smith is is a smart analyst. Uh, he has also spent a lot of time doing college football, not the NFL. But I liked the booth. I mean, I liked McAfee in particular. I thought he added something fun to the broadcast. But back to the the question about light, Green Bay has a problem 
at guard, at right guard. And they have question marks at, about the future of the offensive tackle position, uh, specifically at right tackle. And at 12, they're going to have the opportunity to draft someone. And at 32, they're going to have the opportunity to draft someone. In the mid-40s, in the second round, they're going to have that opportunity. And whether or not they take that opportunity, you know, we'll see. I think this is a great chance for them to look at this draft and and understand, okay, there's a lot of picks. Three picks in the top 50. Don't worry about need. Draft the best player available that can help your team the most. Remember, we talked about this last offseason. BPA is a myth, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use BPA as a stand-in for the player who makes your team maximally better. The player that improves your specific team the most. Not the guy with the highest grade. The guy that makes your team the most better. That is the guy. That is the best player available. Because he is the best guy for your team. For your situation. He makes you the most better in whatever. The short term, the long term, both if possible. He maximally improves your team. I don't know where Alex Light is in the pecking order. But I do know that Byron Bell cannot be a guard on this team next year. And frankly, I don't think Justin McCray can either. So given that information, um, there's a lot of guys who, who should get the chance to prove that they can play. Lucas Patrick being one of them. Uh, would love to see Alex Light get an opportunity. Maybe you move Brian Bulaga inside. I don't, I don't see that happening in the last year of his contract. But who knows? It could happen. Hey Peter, what's happening? Brandon with uh with a couple questions, uh hypotheticals about the Antonio Brown situation. Yes, I'm fully aware that he's a diva, as does any NFL fan. However, with the fact that if the trade is made essentially for the next three years, his contract's only worth thirty six million and that breaking down to roughly twelve million a year, do you think with it being so almost commensurate to the release of Cobb or Clay, that it, there's at all a possibility that we uh, give a call to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Art Rooney, and uh, Mike Tomlin and company to see if they're actually willing to shop Antonio Brown. I don't know if uh, tomorrow's show is going to entail any free agency questions or not, but I'd definitely like to get your take on that. Thanks, Peter. Okay. I'm sure by now you've heard about what happened in Pittsburgh with Antonio Brown. And as ridiculous as it seems, and, and there is essentially absolutely no financial reason for Pittsburgh to trade Antonio Brown because of, of what he would count against their cap, even if they traded him. There's all sorts of weird trade kickers and and contract language in some of these deals that, that are not immediately evident when they're signed. Um, Antonio Brown has a situation like that. It doesn't make sense to trade him. And yet it seems like the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do that. So would the Packers who have an extra first round pick offer it for a guy who could come in and immediately make your offense ridiculously scary? It's an interesting possibility but after what we heard from Ryan Clark, the, his former teammate in Pittsburgh, who basically says, listen, Antonio is a me guy. He's not a we guy. 
and he cares about one thing, and that's his numbers and his money. I guess that's two things. But it's me is the point. And the Packers have a number one receiver, Devontae Adams. And this year, Antonio Brown, by the way, is still really good, but Juju Smith-Schuster was better. And it's possible that at this point in their respective careers, for the next three years over the course of that Antonio Brown contract, while he is signed at a reasonable number, that Devontae Adams is going to be the better player. How will he respond to that reality? Is he ready to give up that number one title and all the accolades and adulation that come from being the guy everyone considers to be the best receiver in the league? I don't think that is the consensus anymore. I mean, if I if you were going to ask me who the best receiver in the league is right now, I think the answer is DeAndre Hopkins. But I think there's a couple guys who, who certainly belong in that conversation. Uh, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. But the, the, the thing about this for Green Bay is, is it worth the risk? And I don't, I just, I don't know the answer to that because we don't know how Brown is going to react to all of this. We don't know if he cares about winning. If, if you listen to Ryan Clark, he doesn't. And so would he be better off going to a team that is willing to, to build an offense around him and give him 160, 170 targets a season and say, you're our offense, and he gets his numbers, and he gets to be first-team All-Pro, and he gets, to, he gets to have 1,600 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns every year and doesn't care if his team wins or loses. Maybe that's the best spot for him. I do know that an offense with Rodgers, Adams, and Antonio Brown would be lethal. I just, I don't know from a, a team standpoint where you're trying to rebuild a culture of accountability and winning. If you want to bring in a guy who his own former teammates has, has gone on record and flamed, absolutely flamed, saying he is a me guy not a wee guy, who shows up in week 17, who is not going to play in the game because he sat, he ditched on his team in practice in a game they had to win, wearing a mink coat. This is the guy that you want to trade a top pick for? I'm good. All right, we'll be back on Monday for more. Uh, the Packers, by the time I talk to you next, they'll have interviewed basically all their top candidates. And there, there are going to be Two teams who advance Saturday, two teams who advance Sunday in the playoffs. If there's a need to have those discussions, we can have them. Um, there are going to be guys like Chris Richard and Vic Fangio who are going to interview next week for head coaching positions. If they take head coaching positions, especially Vic Fangio, that's going to be a discussion we'll have to have on this show about how that affects the Bears and what that means for the Packers and, and how that could potentially benefit or hurt them, however the case ends up shaking out. We'll get to all of that. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to the show. Leave a review. All of those things help. And we're going to start a new thing on Monday. All right? We're going to call it Make a Friend Monday. And on Mondays, after you listen to the show, you're going to go tell a friend you listen to the show, you like the show, and they should check it out. Every Monday, we're going to do that. Make a friend Monday. I'm going to remind you. So if you don't do it, you're going to get sick of me annoying you about it. And if you do it, you'll feel great because you made a friend. And you made a Locked On Packers friend, which is even better than just a regular friend. So we'll, we'll be back on Monday for Make a Friend Monday. Let's do this. And if you convert someone, let me know. 
Hit me up on Twitter or send a message to the Locked On Packers fan hotline. You know the number, 920-341-3775. It's not just important for you, but it's important for your friends. Friends don't let friends not stay Locked On Packers.